we start a new series today entitled Saddled Up, Getting Back on the Horse When You Fall Off. Justin Hillhouse starts off the series by talking about complacency. Hillhouse draws his message from the book of Amos, when Amos warns Israel that if they stay complacent and don't turn to God, they will go into exile and their life of comforts will end. Now let's saddle up for this message and let it spur us on. Good morning, how's everybody? Yeah, everybody good? Good, fantastic. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in the book of Amos. We're going to start in the book of Amos. It's there in the Old Testament. And so uh, if you uh, have your copy, uh, either on your phone there, iPad, or right there, your paperback, please open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Amos chapter 6. Amos chapter 6. And kind of as we begin, uh, John Mark was supposed to kind of kick off our new series uh, this uh, this morning, but unfortunately uh, he uh, is just not able to be here. Uh, as you can see, he's just kind of, he's taking care of some personal things. And so he asked me, he said, hey, will you please step in, kind of get us kicked off as we start a new series. And I tell you what, it's a great time to start a new series because really a lot of new things are happening, are they not? Um, we got school coming back. Is everybody excited about school starting back? You know, I was talking with a guy at the gym the other day. As a matter of fact, not the other day, it was yesterday. I work out at the gym, look at that gun. Anyway, I was at the gym, I looked like I was working out, and um, basically I walk in, I pour some water over my head, I look like I'm sweating, and then I go take a shower. That's how that works. But anyway, I, uh, I was at the gym and I was talking to this guy, and I was like, hey man, you know, how's it going? And he's like, yeah, things are good. And I was like, so, uh, and he has four kids, I was like, so, uh, uh, you you about done for the summer and he goes man my wife cannot wait for school to start back there's some sort of uh, a regiment that kind of kicks in when school starts are you all with me and it just kind of seems like we kind of go back into this normal regiment regiment and things kind of just we go into kind of this this weekly cycle and and while we are busy it's an organized busy the summer it seems like it's chaos okay and it doesn't even seem like it's organized it's just chaotic you're trying to maintain and manage the kids you're just trying to keep them from burning down the house. Are y'all with me on this? You're like, please just don't break anything. When is school going to start? And you say that like after the first week of VBS, right? Because it's just so rough, right? You're with me, Ernie, right? I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. But as we kind of start kind of this new school year, as we kind of begin this new season, we kind of want to start a new series and it's simply called Saddle Up, Getting Back on the Horse when you fall off. And when you think of that title, you automatically think of, hey, if I'm kind of going down, I'm riding along here in life, and then all of a sudden I hit this bump, I hit this hiccup, I hit this kind of chug hole, and all of a sudden I get thrown off. Okay, and it could be something that happened to you. It could be something that you did to yourself. It was it was self-incriminating. It was self-perpetuating. You caused it. Something happened that caused you to get thrown off. And when we think about the title of this series, that's what we think of: getting back on the horse when you fall off. But I want to take this and look at it from just slightly a different angle because there are times, guys, there are times, men, when we don't get thrown off the horse. There are times when we decide to get out of the saddle and purposefully get off the horse and we say, you know what? I'm done. Are y'all with me on that? There are times when you just say, you know what? I'm done. There are times 
when we get off the horse, we get out of the car, and we walk and we sit down and we go, you know what, I just need a little rest. And all of a sudden, that rest, that time, that break that you take turns from just being a, a time of break, a time of getting rejuvenated, and it turns into a time of complacency. And all of a sudden you move from rest and now it has turned into just sheer laziness. It's turned into complacency. I like the definition of complacency. It's this. Complacency is a blight that saps energy, dulls attitudes, and causes a drain on the brain. The first symptom is satisfaction with things as they are. The second is rejection of things as they might be. Good enough becomes today's watchword and tomorrow's standard. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and abhor the new. Like water, complacent people follow the easiest course, downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. And for some of you here today, I can even say this in my life, and I can say this probably for all of us, there are things and there are aspects in our life in which we are complacent. We have grown lazy. We say, you know what, I'm going to get off this horse and I'm going to rest. But you know what, I'm tired. I've rested. And now it's time for me to get back on the horse. But you know what, I really don't want to get back in the saddle. How many of y'all are with me? You just say, you know what, I don't want to do it. I really, truly, honestly don't want to get back in the saddle again. You can muster the strength to do it. You have the mental capacity to do it. And yet you sit there in your lazy boy and you go, man, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Amos is an Old Testament prophet that really truly we don't talk a whole lot about. And Amos is giving a warning to Israel, okay? And he basically says, hey, listen, Israel, if you do not turn from your ways, if you do not stop being complacent, then things are going to happen that are not going to be good. And so here we see this warning from Amos to the children of Israel about being complacent, about moving from rest to just being lazy and saying, you know what, I don't want to do it. So if you look at Amos chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Kalim and look at it. Go from there to the great Hamath, and then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land greater than yours? You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge 
on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. You do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. When I read that passage, at first I was like, all right, this is pretty good. And then I was reading verse 1 through 6, and I was like, okay, I see kind of where we're going. Like, I can see myself right now sitting in my Lazy Boy watching Netflix. Are you all with me? When I read this, that's what I was picturing. And I was picturing that because that's what I was doing at the time when I was reading this, all right? As I was sitting there and I was just kind of reading, I was just kind of laughing, I was kind of like, oh no. But then I got to verse 7, and verse 7 is what scared me. Verse 7 is what sent chills down my back. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. And then it says this, your feasting and your lounging will end. I don't like the sounds of that, do you? (laughs) Your feasting and your lounging will end. The first phrase of this passage gives us pause and puts us in the mindset of what God wants from each one of us, okay? He says this, woe to you who are complacent in Zion. It puts us in the mindset of God, and this is the mindset of God. Woe to you, to those who are complacent in Zion. In other words, God doesn't want us to be lazy. There is a difference between rest and laziness. And God said, rest is good, okay? God created the whole world, the universe, in six days. And what did he do on the seventh day? He what? He rested. Rest is a good thing. God wants us to rest, okay? Vacation is important. Hey, listen, taking some time on Saturday afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, and taking a nap, that's good, amen? All right. Yesterday, I came home after work. It's 4 o'clock, and I'm tired. You know what I did? I took a nap. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Took a nap. It was awesome. For 30 minutes, best 30 minutes spent all day long. It was rest. There's a guy at an office. He was was retired. And he, uh, every day he'd come into the office and he'd work from from 7 a.m. to about 2 o'clock. And every day he'd bring his lunch in. He's retired. So, you know, he didn't care how much he worked and how much he didn't. He's an engineer. He'd come in and he'd sit there and he'd work from 7 to 1130. He'd take a break from 1130 to 12 to eat his lunch that his wife packed. And then from 12 to 1245, he would sit at his desk and he would look like he is working with his head down, looking at some papers. But you know what he did? He took a nap. (laughs) He took a nap every day. But you know what? He got back up and went back to work. Every day he'd just take a nap there at the office. It's okay to rest. God says, hey, listen, it's, it's good to rest. But God does not like laziness. And Amos warns the children of Israel of this. And when we look at this passage, we say, hey, listen, this is Amos talking to the children of Israel. 
when he addresses them, he says, hey, you in Zion, he is addressing Israel. He is talking to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. He is addressing the Jewish people specifically. But the words that Amos is saying and the words that Amos is giving are the same words that he is giving us today in 2022. The same words he is giving to those children of Israel in 780 B.C. are the same words that apply to us today. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. Woe to you who are complacent in America. Woe to you who are complacent in Texas. Woe to you who are complacent in Allen. Woe to you who are complacent in Cottonwood Creek. Woe to you who are complacent in the Hill House family. And I tell you what, when I read this passage and when you look at it, and you begin to take out those words, Zion, you begin to put your own name in there. You begin to put your family name in there. You begin to look around at your life personally. You begin to look at your spouse's life. You begin to look at your kid's life. You begin to sit there and you wonder, am I being lazy in certain areas and aspects of my life? Amos is telling us, do not be complacent. Look at what he says. He says, woe to you. And then look at what he says, verse 3. You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. People, what he is saying there in verse 3, is that people are persistent in their wicked ways, and they are under the presumption that they will never be held accountable for their actions. That's what he's saying there in verse 3. Woe to you who are complacent. You put off the day of disaster and bring near the reign of terror. We will have to answer for our actions. Gentlemen, we are going to have to answer for some of our inactions as well. Then look in there, verse 4. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. They indulge themselves in a matter of sensual pleasures and delights. They say, hey, we're just going to kind of lay around. We're just going to kind of eat whatever we want to. We're, we're all right. We're successful. It's okay. We can afford it. And so we're just going to lay around and just kind of roll on in life and just kind of let life Pass by. And then verse 5 and 6, you strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful, not by the glassful, by the bowlful. And they use the finest lotions. You do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph, to which you just look at it and it says, everybody under my roof is okay. If the world is burning, who really cares? We're good. So why should I care about anybody beyond my four walls? And then you have verse seven. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and your lounging will end. The God that we serve, the Jesus that we serve, the Savior that we serve is not a God that is complacent. What does Scripture tell us all the time? That the Spirit is always moving and active. 
Is it not? That shows us and tells us what? That God is not just sitting up there in his throne room going, all right, we're just going to kind of let this thing spin until it, it runs out of juice and then we'll show up. God is moving. God is active. God is constantly doing something. And if God is constantly doing something, then guess what? He wants us as followers of Jesus to be doing something as well. I like what uh, Thomas Edison said. He said this, We shall have no better conditions in the future if we are satisfied with all those which we have at present. For us today, we, you, we say complacency. Really, if you kind of want to substitute that word, complacency, you can say, hey, we just kind of want to coast. We just kind of want to throw it in neutral and let it roll down the hill. And so real quick, there are four things you can do to fight complacency in your life. You can fight it both spiritually, you can fight it psychologically, you can fight it physically. And these kind of four thoughts, they all kind of span all of those areas of your life. And the first way you fight complacency is this, is start every day from scratch. Start every day from scratch. It is a new day. (laughs) Psalm chapter 5 verse 3 says this, in the morning, Lord, In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Wake up every day with a prayer in your heart, a goal in your mind, and expect an opportunity to be used. Look at that in verse 3. In the morning, okay, you hear my voice. Okay, that's the prayer. In the morning, I get up, I begin to pray, I begin to see God's face, and guess what? I'm going to lift my requests up to you. You know what? When I lift my requests up to you, you're asking God and you're expecting God to do something. Well, if you're asking God and expecting God to do something, why don't you start doing something as well? Don't you think that's kind of fair? We don't treat God like a genie. And God is no genie. That's not how he works. That's not how he operates. And what does he say? There, the writer in Psalms, in the morning I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. Man, are you expecting God to do something in your job, in your family, in your home? Guess what? I wake up in the morning, it is a new day. Yesterday is gone. Okay, I can't do anything about yesterday. Tomorrow is not here. All I got is this very day, this very moment. Use it. Do not just let it fly by. Are y'all with me on that? Just don't let it fly by. I was uh, thinking about my daughter. My daughter just turned 16, okay? And I was uh, thinking about this uh, last night. She just came home from band practice. It's like 10.30 at night, okay? She drove herself to band practice, which is like the scariest thing in the world. And that was like at 4 o'clock. And then it's 10.30 and she's driving home at night from band practice. And that scares me. And I remember when she was four years old. And it was just yesterday when she was four years old. And I said, oh my, how does the time fly? And I was thinking about this passage. And you know what I thought? I could have been a better dad when she was four years old. 
But instead, you know what? I just became frustrated. Sometimes I would just say, honey, you take care of it. You know what? I should have taken care of it. There were times when my daughter was growing up, when she was younger, when I was complacent. I thought about this passage and I said, man, oh man, did I mess up. I got to fix that. I got to change that. I can't do anything about it yesterday. Tomorrow is not here. So what do I have to do? I have to do something about it today. I got to change today. And so each new day is a new gift. Use it. Start every day anew. Tomorrow is a new day. You screw up today. Guess what? That's okay. Because guess what? Tomorrow morning's coming. You can start again. You can try again tomorrow morning. A.W. Tozier said this, Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long. He waits so very long in vain. That's tough. So number one, start every day from scratch. Number two, surround yourself with people who will tell you like it is. Surround yourself with people who will tell you like it is. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. For some of us here, it is our spouse that will tell us the truth. Okay? They will tell us the truth. And they tell us the truth. You know why? Because they love us. <laughs> we might harbor a little resentment. It might help. It might hurt a little bit. But you know what? My wife loves you. She cares for you. She's going to tell you the truth. Your friends, your true friends, they are going to tell you the truth. They're going to give you the good news, but they're also going to give you the bad news. You know what I love? about some of the men here in this room is that you're true friends because you'll tell it like it is. You'll walk up and you'll say it. You'll say it with love. You'll say it with encouragement, but you'll be like, man, that just ain't right. That ain't good. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe, maybe you need to improve on this. I like what somebody said. They said this, true friendship is being there when someone's feeling low and not being afraid to kick them. Not being afraid to kick them. Man, there are times in our lives when we are complacent, we are lazy, and we need a good kick. Are you with me? We need a good swift kick to get things going, to get things moving. And we need those friends to do that. We need those true friends to do that to us. Number three. Focus on process instead of outcome. Focus on process instead of outcome. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right there you see process. That he who began a good work 
Okay? Jesus Christ does something in us when we are saved. And then as we grow in our faith, growing in your faith, that is a process. It is a process of learning and knowing what is right, knowing what is wrong, knowing how to follow God. You don't just all of a sudden know what to do all the time, every single time. Are you with me? Following Jesus Christ, it is a process of growth. We see that in Titus chapter 2, 11 and 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And then look, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go back there to verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled life. Let me tell you what, to live a self-controlled life, that takes time, effort, and that is a process. That is a learning process. That's okay. We must grow, though. And God is all about the process because you know what? At the outcome, at the very end, when it's all said and done, we will be made perfect in Christ's image. And that will happen in eternity. Amen? But while we're here on earth, it is a growing process. So focus on the process. Every day when you get up, hey, start the process right there. Begin with prayer. Begin with Bible study. Something. Start listening to worship music. You know what? If you miss it today, guess what? You got tomorrow. Try it again tomorrow. Start the process and go through the process. Number four, and finally, continuing, continuously learn and adapt. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all who have unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image, an ever-increasing joy, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Did you catch that word? We are all transformed. God is all about change. God wants you to change. God wants me to change. God wants us to change, to constantly change and to move forward. You know what the great thing about Scripture is? The great thing about Scripture is that it gives us the truth in all areas of life, and yet it allows us the flexibility to implement it in our own lives. Let me explain it this way. God says, okay, Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, that we are to submit and to serve one another. And then you follow that up in 23, and it says we are to love our wives. How we submit and serve one another and how we love our wives is different for each one of you here in this room than it is for me, is it not? How I love my wife is different than how you love your wife. How you serve somebody is different than how I serve somebody. But the biblical principle is still the same. The biblical truth for all of us here is that we all must serve, we all must love, but guess what? We all do it differently. Isn't that great? We all do it differently. We all show it differently. Let me explain it in a different way. 
Your family is different than my family. Your spiritual experiences are different than my spiritual experiences. Your life and the way you grew up is different than the way my life and I grew up. How you do things and the job that you do is different than how I do things and how in the, the job that I do. How you raise your kids, how you discipline your kids are different than how I discipline my kids. If you go there in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about loving your children, but it also talks about disciplining your children. Guess what? How you discipline your kids is different than how I discipline my kids. The point is not that how we discipline our kids. What does Scripture tell us? To discipline our kids. That's it. And in that, we have freedom. And so we can adapt. We can learn. And Scripture allows us to do that. God gives us the biblical principle, the eternal principle, and then guess what? He has created us in such a way to be able to raise our kids, to love our spouse, to work hard in that. And so we are able to continuously adapt and to grow. Tell you what, the church does that. Is the church the same today as it was in 1950? It's not. The message has not changed. The methodology has just a little bit. Back in 1950, what did we do? We still preached the Word of God, but we opened up hymnals. We sung hymns. Today, what do we do? We still sing. We still open up the Word. But you know what? You know, we sing some different songs. That's okay. We have drums. We have guitars. Back in the old days, what did you have? A piano. All right, Mike, you remember those days. Right, Mike? Mike, can you remember that, Mike? Yeah, see, turn up your hearing aid, Mike. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. Guess what? The methodology, remember back in the 1950s, you'd have to go out, you'd have to talk to people. You know, today, now, we still do that, but guess what we do? We have social media. We have advertisements. Okay, we can put Mike outside here with a sandwich sign. But the message is still the same. God's truth does not change. And so with that, we can adapt and we can learn and we can grow. For some of you here in this room, I've kind of touched on something that you're like, ooh, and while I was preparing this, I got to tell you, there were some things I was looking at in my heart and in my life that I was like, you know what, Lord, I am complacent in this. I am lazy in this area of my life. I want to allow you guys just some time to sit around to talk about that, to discuss that. And um, uh, when you're done, you can pray and uh, get out of here. So thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to future episodes of Men's Bible Study.